See, you don't have to get ready unless you stay ready. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, that is a fucking right, sick cool. ass jacket. It came with all yes. these cool patches. It looks like I'm like I've been a fan for 150 years. It's awesome. <laughs> That's badass. Yeah, I'm, it's changed my whole day, so I'm very happy. It's an early birthday present. Oh my god, I've been doing the same thing because I like. So my big news, because yeah. like my life is always changing. Okay. Um, so like a couple of weeks ago um, at work, um, one of our colleagues, one of my work colleagues was like, oh, hey, hey, staff, hey, fellow teammates. Yeah. Uh, I'm on like she was responsible for doing, you know, some chunks of work. And uh, long story short, we needed to just move some of those things off her plate. Okay. Um, and they were like, oh, who wants to do this? And it was, I think, one of those situations where even though everything sounded really cool, because we do really cool work, mm -hmm. everyone was like, oh, my God, not more shit. You know, oh, so. okay. It's fine. You know, again, I'm not talking shit. I, I love my job, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's still like, oh, no, what's happening? I love your job, Anyways, too, Kathy. And uh, so... <laughs> So it turns out, like, I thought I was like, she was like, who wants to go on this trip in August to go do a thing? And I was like, oh, wow. I didn't really hear what you said, but okay. <laughs> okay. Like, uh -huh. like, I don't really understand the words you used. Um, okay. But I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And so it turned out that um, uh, we are with a uh, kind of international feminist organization, okay. and they were they're sending a delegation to the women's convention oh, where is this and so it, in houston oh wow so this weekend yours truly will be uh -huh. at the women's convention okay. um wow. representing my organization and these other organizations uh -huh. but uh um more exciting is we've all been upgraded to panelists apparently wow. the, apparently the group had been waitlisted for a speaking position at the women's conference uh -huh. again i had no idea about any of this i thought i was volunteering to like i don't know go to like a staff retreat 2022 type of a thing okay. you know yeah uh wow. so what are you so uh, now, what are your ideas about what you're going to talk about Oh, uh, so there's like a whole thing. It's basically uh, how does inter how, how does the philosophies and ideals of international global feminism 
uh, lead to the work that I do on a daily basis. Cool. You know, so that's uh Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure I don't think I'll I don't I have no idea how big it's going to be exactly. Yeah. I know it's huge, but uh I don't know that I've ever spoken or been in front oh. of a group this size. So Can you can you put your iPhone on the table and record it just so I can hear it? Like just so I can know. Oh, it's going to be, I okay. think it's being recorded even. Okay. Yeah, no, totally. Okay, I'm going to cool. be doing like, oh, totally. No, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to, to, to see what you talk about. That's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. So in reality news, how have you been? Uh, I've been doing okay. Ultimately, I suppose, you know, ups and downs, but I would say this, um, I've been watching a tiny bit of reality TV, not too much. There's a bunch of clips that I have from some previous seasons of Survivor I still want to get to. But I'll tell you something that I do have. I have this giant stack of newspapers in front of me, which we can, which we can talk about if none of them are two. I'm going to close my laptop here. Um, <laughs> let's see. There's one about TikTok. Let's see if I can find yes. something here, though, that really nails it. We have a local TikTok star. That was one thing here. Five things to know about our local TikTok and Instagram star. Um, she's from uh, she knew she wanted to be a model she's made a lot of money from modeling and social media she got her start in Naples uh, let's see what else uh, Sports Illustrated is a big deal for her and uh, mm-hmm. and then also number five was just what's your secret that was her fifth thing um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much all I got um, let's see <laughs> two, uh, two Lee County beaches oh yeah two of our beaches have been ranked number one and two in the Gulf Coast how about that nice which is wrong it's wrong. The beaches they picked were the wrong, you don't agree. Wrong beaches. You think they're, these are subpar beaches? They're objectively nicer beaches, which aren't on that list for some reason. Mm, I don't know mm-hmm. why. Um, let's see. Uh, the Mets have a new person who's from Fort Myers. How about that? That's pretty cool. He's uh, he was on the Pirates cool. until recently. Yeah, he's went to local high schools and everything. Um, what else? Um, hmm. Oh, that Sandman shows out on Netflix. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard of it. Is that why everyone's been talking about Neil Gaiman? Neil again? Gaiman again? Yeah, exactly. I thought yeah. we could t- stop talking about him, but uh, no. Yeah, I thought we were done. I thought, I thought, we, ever I thought since... he was kicked into the garbage can of time, but no, apparently not. Um, right. I thought. I thought once the once the once they went through that embarrassing divorce, I yeah. thought we weren't going to talk the, about them anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, exactly. Uh, flashy Bishop Robert Church has his own history of theft. Uh, that was that guy. Did you see the 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 guy in New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. I really like that story. Um, just going through all of them real quick here. Oh, I mean, the only news, I say only mm-hmm. newsworthy headline in these last couple of uh, days here in mm-hmm. New Mexico, well, two of them. One, I understand that the New Mexico Film Office or Workplace Safety or some some entity like that or another has, mm-hmm. um, like, I think actually uh, put, like, formal sanctions against the production team at Rust, of oh, the really? shooting good, yeah good. so I, I i didn't catch the good. entire headline but it looks like some like good. like the consequences are starting to come down yeah. you know like administratively anyway like um i saw like fines is what i thought oh, i saw like okay. some kind of large fine yeah um and then and probably even a, a revocation case. of their business licenses and shit like that has yeah. probably also started to happen. Like so I, I certainly hope that Gunsmith, although she was off to a start of a career, this is kind of a game-ending thing for her, I would hope, sort of. I mean, you can't make a mistake like that. You can't be allowed to get a second chance with a mistake like that, mm-hmm. I, I would say, mm-hmm. at least running the show. 
So kind of, I, and I want to kind of relate something to that because I think I've been saying this a lot, right? Like um, uh, having grown up in Los Angeles and been familiar with movie magic and things of that sort and having gone to like Universal Studios and seen the like stunt people, you know, sideshows and shit like that. Like it's still kind of astounding to me that, um, I don't know, that it could have happened on a set. Right. Because yeah. I kind of feel like there's there's like, I don't know, there's protocol, there's rules. And um, in my mind, the actors who are on set who are like taking the opportunity to even shoot guns at a target range. Like I can't mm-hmm. even I can't even understand how they've been around a set for, you know, a career and never knew mm-hmm. that you're not supposed to play with guns. They all had to know that and just think they were getting right. away with it on the set, which to me right. also lands them in some jeopardy pool. I don't really know how to mm-hmm. describe it, but they're definitely part of the issue mm-hmm. um, yeah. i mean i think about this too because i've been you know the the season series finale indeed of better call saul is ah. basically happening right now it's like you know it is what everyone's talking about okay. and um we're currently re-watching it in our household yeah. because uh, that's how that goes yes if we watched it as a group if i was saying that we haven't seen it yet at all so mm-hmm. uh so we need to do that but let tell have you seen it have you seen the whole thing and were you satisfied i so I have. So I am, I think, three episodes away from actually finishing the entire thing. Okay. Um, but my 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 honey oh, so had never it. seen it before. Okay. He's never seen it before, yeah. and so I was like, "Oh, yeah. Well, you can't watch what I'm watching, but why don't we go back and watch from the beginning?" And yeah. so I'm currently with him, and like at the end of season two. I think we just started okay. season three That's together, the but I've really gone through the whole. Going, yeah. But I, I mean, I've, I, I've been along for the entire ride. So yeah. like, I think about how much gunplay there is in that show, for example. Yeah. Um, and certainly in breaking bad, there was lots of gunplay, right? Yeah. Um, again, just, just mind boggling that something like that would happen on a Vince Gilligan set. You yeah, know, it would never, like I, I can't, cause I know never that they, they, they look at gunplay in their shows, in my opinion, they've always looked at gunplay as as serious as it would be in real life. Like when they show people struggling and everything, it always seemed like, especially that sheen, scene where, uh, you know, in Breaking Bad, in the middle where Hank gets injured by the by the brothers. Um, mm-hmm. That scene, mm-hmm. that gunfight was so visceral, so real. It felt that's watching it. My heart was pounding because it was so minute. He had to like get a gun out in the right position and everything was so very hyper specific, like a very real scenario. And that shooting it like that means that you take guns very seriously. Um, mm-hmm. just whoever mm-hmm. is directing that scene is taking guns very seriously, which means the safety will be taken seriously. So That's right. Yeah. So I, I've just been kind of struck by that. And so like, just knowing that um, better call Saul is rapping, but also that the rust set is back in the news yeah. here. And I think these kinds of more daily ordinary ways that aren't going to pull as many national headlines, right? Like yeah. until something big, big happens, right? Like, until and it's the... funny. Yeah. Well, we know. Who. Yeah. Until someone's uh, indicted, right? Cause someone's yeah. going to fucking be indicted, and, right? It's probably just a matter of time. And following that, I'm sure the family is waiting for that all to settle down before they do their civil case, which is what we'll, I'm sure everyone will really pay attention to. And that's probably the point when a lot of things will come out that the law can't bring out. So we'll, that's right. But we'll, we'll know about that. Cause all of that shit will go through discovery and they'll yep. 
request mm. all of those reports from the film office and the yes. fucking shit. It's a mess, frankly. Looking to figure but... out how everyone got hired and who was there at what point and who's responsible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would that be? Um, so, I'm not a lawyer person, but let's say, mm-hmm. uh, would that be like a civil wrongful death? Is that like a class action suit against like all the people there? What would that be? Because there's a, there's more than one victim too. It's not like it's not. So two it would. Are shot. So basically, yeah. So basically, it would be like um, you know, and I, I having only made it through some of law school and not all of it. <laughs> Zero right? here. So <laughs> yeah, right. That's why I was going. So to... the Jimmy McGill answer is yeah. it depends, okay. right? It, it depends on whose ass you can fucking turn, right? Okay. This is kind of what this is, right? So like who's really at fault, right? Because it's not, and I'm going to say it like this, right? It's not just Alec Baldwin, right? right. There's clearly lots of people yeah. who are responsible for Many this. And so they're decisions. all going to be held responsible, okay. right? Good. And so way that this generally goes under the law, right, is, mm-hmm. is that let's say that um, they'll be held what's called jointly and severally liable, Okay. 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 So I'm going to, I'm the family. I'm going to sue these five individuals that I think are responsible. Right. And I'm like, no, you guys are all fucking at fault. And I'm going to sue you guys for however much I want to fucking sue you guys for. Okay. And you're going to say like, well, I had nothing to do with it. And I'm going to be like, cool. I don't, I personally don't give a fuck. I'm going to sue all of you guys. Yeah. And this court is going to, you know, decide whether or not you believe you should be held liable, right? Okay. So they'll they'll come back, let's say, and they'll go, you know, I convince, you know, yeah, your lawyers, I negotiate, I guess I accuse five of you, and at the end of it, one of you drops out, and you go, yeah, no, I'm at fault, fuck me, or whatever, mm. and I'm like, fine, now I'm only suing four of you, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but I'm still suing them as a group. And so apparently under the law, basically what happens, I like if you're like if I sue you and I sue you successfully and I win and you're like, no, actually, this is wrong. Basically, the law says, yeah, you have to take it up with all of these other assholes you got sued with because the family has gone through enough. Mm, yeah. OK. So they're like, you, you assholes now have to fight over who's responsible for 10%, 20%, 50%, 80% of the responsibility. No, wow. the family's not going to be who yeah. figures that out. It's that's, you assholes who have to figure that out. Yeah. That's a good function of our court system, I will say. I mean, allegedly, <laughs> yeah, right? Well, I, I, mean, I, could, I could see ways, I could imagine ways where it could go sideways, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but wow. again, right, like, th- this is the kind of thing where, like, it's one thing, I think, to have a lawsuit against someone like where I'd say it's obvious, right? If you, if, if this were like a one drunk driver who killed this one individual, then right. we know exactly who's at fault. It's that one individual wrongful death suit. Here it comes, right? right. And again, in addition to whatever criminal sanctions that person may or may not be liable to, right? But those are those are the things that are cut and dry. Here, who the fuck else do you say? Do you say the state of New Mexico's film office is also on the hook for not properly vetting Uh, these people? I mean, potentially, that's something a lawyer could say. I mean, make a case. That's right. You know, like, of course, that would be harder to prove, right? They'd have to say, oh, they'd had, you know, 
uh, various reports against them made before that weren't yeah, investigated. Need, and you'd need expert witnesses to say this is not a normal movie set. This is how a normal movie set works, but this one was not that. So, And an expert should have known that too, right? right. So like that's yeah. where that's going to start to get into all kinds of other shit, yeah. right? So God bless them. Yeah. God fucking bless those yeah. individuals. But as we see with Sandy Hook and Alex Jones, yeah. Um, those brave families, clearly this shit's paying off for them, yes, right? Because I, it is, uh, he declared, fuck Alex Jones. He declared, <laughs> precisely, he declared loss before the suit was even gone anywhere. Like when he, um, he basically declared bankruptcy like day two of the suit. So he knew mm-hmm. that, he knew that he was toast. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and good riddance. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know, have you heard, um, remember, <laughs> I don't want to bring up specifically the part about Elon Musk, but remember, um, the the people the the kids they pulled out of those caves in in Thailand uh, several years yes. ago they have made mm-hmm. Ron Howard has directed a PG thirteen uh, film starring uh, Colin Farrell I think it was okay and um, it's coming out to <coughs> decent reviews which is uh, surprising to me because I can't remember the last time one of those um, actually I can't remember the last time like Colin Farrell in a film <laughs> but, um, that's that's on me I suppose. But yeah, there, it's called uh, 13 Lives. It's uh, two hours and 27 minutes on Prime. Wow. Um, so far as I know, it won't include anything about Elon Musk's insane tweets uh, that he was sued for. Uh, wow. Speaking of. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it sounds like it might be all right as a, as a doc. Um, I don't know. Rough, rough subject, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looks like also from the the cover of the uh, the cover of the the thing on Prime looks a little bit of white savior disease as well, um, in terms of the way that they're marketing it. It's kind of bad. A lot of a lot of bad. Yeah, stuff that's there. not too surprising, of course, though, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. That's well, I mean, it's directed by Ron Howard, so. Okay, here's another one. Yes. Here's 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 another one. So. Mm-hmm. uh you know, on our last episode, we were talking about um, uh, what you call it. All of the uh, uh, the planes, the planes that were up in the air for like 15 minutes, like Kylie uh, Jenner's plane, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's only escalated, like you know Taylor Swift's plane, like you know, it's like it's all on, it's like all anyone talks about, I guess. There's like a whole account, whole accounts dedicated to it now, and that's really interesting. I think it's mm-hmm. fascinating, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, we were talking about these, um, the way traffic, air traffic, uh, sea traffic, like we can like track what people are doing because that's like, yeah. you know, these, uh, that's the world we live in now, which is also terrifying. I think, as I, I think about, uh, everything requires a mobile app, right? I don't know. Just to, uh, the tracking. It's all terrifying. Yeah. The mobile app thing is, is concerning to me because some people don't want to carry phones. could be anyone. Yeah. They don't have to have a reason, I mean, I... really. I don't even want one anymore. So, uh, but that's a different story, you know? And, uh, but anyway, so uh, I ordered this book that Mm -hmm. I've been very, very excited about. Right. And it relates to this concept of how we track things in this particular case through the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, So this book, which I'm going to show you right here on my webcam. Let me turn that off because of course (laughs) I've got the blurring thing on there. So it's like, oh, you don't have a thingy. You can see my punching bag back there and my television with the baseball game. <laughs> I want no virtual background. There we go. Okay. 
It is called Adrift, the okay. curious tale of the Lego Lost at Ooh, Sea. Ooh, I love this. And I'm going to read you. Please. I'm going to read you a little bit of this. Please. Thank you. Amish. Yeah, let me see. Okay. All right. The curious tale of the Lego Lost at Sea began on Thursday, the 13th of February, okay. 1997 when a cargo ship laden with goods was hit by a storm. The Tokyo Express had set sail from Rotterdam in the Netherlands okay. when it became engulfed in mountainous seas 20 miles off of Land's End, Cornwall. Okay. In what the ship's captain later described as a once-in-a-100-year phenomenon, a rogue wave tilted the vessel 60 degrees one way, Okay. Then 40 degrees back, oh. sending 62 shipping containers toppling into the ocean. Wow. Okay. One of those shipping containers held nearly 5 million pieces of Lego. On its way from the toy company's factory in Billund, Denmark, uh -huh. to North America, where it was to be made up into sets. By a strange quirk of fate, much of the Lego was sea-themed. Oh. 4,756,940 pieces of plastic bound for seafaring adventures. Wow. No one is sure what happened next. Whether the container of Lego burst open on impact, scattering its contents into the ocean, or whether it carried on floating for a while, slowly releasing its cargo. But in the days that followed, Helicopter pilots flying over the area reported seeing a slick of Lego wow. floating in the sea. And beachgoers started finding Lego washed up on Cornwall's wild and windswept shores. Wow. So now I'm going to fast forward a little bit. to They go into such detail. This yeah. is just amazing. What a book. Mm-hmm. I uh, let's see, nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, there were a lot of good kits back then. I mean, that's that's probably when I was messing with Lego the most. I bet Lego City was my favorite. I always loved Lego City because it was like it had the windows and stuff, which was really cool to like make buildings with windows. I thought that was neat. So I'm gonna show you a picture of one of the Lego windows that they found. Oh, okay. Because, like, all of these, like, little Lego pieces, they start to wash up. Oh, my But God. they had, um, let's see where is I just saw it, too. Because, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they were, like, they're, like, tumbled, like, stones, sort of, like, in the nature. Yeah. News of the Lego spill soon reached Dr. Curtis Evesmeyer, the pioneering oceanographer famed for unraveling the mystery of ocean currents. 
He first captured the world's imagination when he called on a network of beachcombers to track the passage of nearly 80,000 Nike shoes <laughs> lost overboard from the cargo vessel Hansa Carrier in May wow. 1990. I want to get some sea shoes. <laughs> oh, my God. Like... <laughs> So because the book is illustrated, mm. there's these parts where she where the author will collect like the vignettes and there is literally a page of sea shoes. <laughs> <laughs> this is she, yes. She has a twi- there is a Twitter account. Uh, okay. it is called Lego Lost at Sea okay. and it is amazing by the way. It's actually how I heard of the book. I saw okay. one of their tweets go viral and I was like, "Oh my god." I'm going to okay, so. track this down. Okay. Yeah, no, track it down. Okay. Um, As each of the shoes carried a unique serial number, he was able to work out which ones had come from the spill, thereby gaining valuable insight into ocean currents. Two years later, Dr. Ebbesmeyer called on those same beachcombers to help him track the journey of 28,000 plastic bath toys from a spill in the Pacific Ocean as they washed around the world. The friendly floaties, as they were known, (laughs) yellow ducks, blue turtles, red beavers, and green frogs, had fallen overboard from a container ship in 1992. They were subsequently discovered on beaches from Alaska to Scotland and Texas. By the way, apparently, the friendly floaties are very distinctive and are not just any regular rubber ducky. They had, like, a particular message embossed on them, so they're... They're like distinguishable. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. very bizarre. Okay. It is very awesome. So um, this oceanographer proceeds to write to Lego and says, can I get a detailed listing of everything that fell into the, like that fell into the ocean? Yeah. And they proceeded to send him like a very detailed inventory list. Wow. And so based on that, he did some experiments, which ones floated which one sank? Oh, okay. Okay. So he first started with those characteristics, and then he um, he calculated kind of the probability, essentially, that they would wash up somewhere. Let me see if I can find it. This one was a really, really pretty page, too, uh, based on the number of pieces that there were. So he was basically like, because the green doodad is particularly rare we expect to only find it blah 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 blah. and so anyway let me see if i can find it it was really cool it it seems like there would be an interesting way to study ocean currents based on like the buoyancy i'm sure an oceanographer would have a field day with all this information this is so cool yeah so um basically oh there it is lego to look out for oh wow oh wow that is so So cool so he says that these these gray links, which just look like these little doodads uh-huh. down here, there's only 8,100 of them. So the chances of finding them are by themselves rare. And then because they're not this like brightly colored distinctive piece, yeah. he's like, most people are probably just going to think it's garbage when they pick it up if they're a beachcomber. Right. And so... He's like, as opposed to the like scuba <laughs> flippers of which, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And, and cutlasses, I'm seeing brooms, scuba tanks. This really was like things that would have ended up in like the pirate set or something like that. Yeah. I love this. 
Wow. Um, the book is delightful. And it has um, pictures, I might add, that's this way. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. This is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm and gonna have to look at this for sure. This, yeah, the story, the the book starts with this like, um, this woman essentially who was a beachcomber, mm -hmm. and she was like, I grew up by the ocean. I would always go for a walk with my folks, and you know, we'd look for shells and do normal beach things. And she, in this book, is describing about how, but as she got older and she's taking her own children to the beach. Of course, the landscape of what they're finding is changing very dramatically and yeah. very quickly. Um, and so um, talking about beach cleanup and plastic and in the ocean and just it kind of just goes all over the place. Right. So yeah. if you're like if you're a nature nerd, if you're like a science nerd, if you're like just someone who thinks all of this shit's fascinating, you're a Lego nerd even. Yeah. Right. Like, I feel like there's really something for everyone in this cool. fucking thing. And I'm fascinated I, the, so i've been telling everyone about it since i got it i just bought it like two days again? ago and what's the author it is called adrift, adrift the curious tale of the lego lost at sea by yeah. tracy, williams. tracy williams um i ordered it from my uh local bookstore shout out to collected works thank you <laughs> yeah i used to love that place they have good uh, breakfast burritos in the morning they sure do they sure do Although iconic is no longer there oh, at really? the collected works, yeah, oh, no, that's, that's they still what have I was a little coffee to, thing. Was the iconic, yeah. Oh wow, okay. Still huh. have a little coffee thing, but the uh, must have given us too much money for the gone. comedy festival didn't pay off. Oh, new comedy festival too. Really? Tell me, tell me, tell me. I want to know. I took a picture. I hope someone took our idea and ran with it. I really do. I, I hope. I that, hope so too. Because Santa Fe I, needs comedy, and it needs comedy selected by the people who live there, so that we actually get people we enjoy and stuff like that, and. Uh, let me see. My my biggest point I of honor with my comedy festival was making sure that the 115 submissions we got were whittled down to 30 or so people that were like lovely and and nice people and had good comedy and <laughs> weren't saying. Okay, so there is a comedy thing that of course yeah. is still happening at the Jean mm -hmm. Cocteau. Cool. Um, that Classic. one. That's run by uh, uh Carlos, right? Isn't he? Still... Um, I actually did not see their that person's oh. name. Okay. On this particular, I know that Carlos Medina does still do shows there. Okay. Um, but the person that I saw on this Jean Cocteau flyer was something different. Let me cool. find it. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, no, but this was another one. This one is called Noble Comedy. Okay. And this one is having a stand-up comedy contest at Reunity Resources, which is one of these local farms here okay. in town. Cool. So it's kind of like it was it, I thought it was an interesting uh like uh uh what's it called? Uh, a partnership there at the yeah. organic farm slash stand-up comedy festival. Yeah. Um, the one at the Jean Cocteau is called Improv for Humans, and mm. I hadn't heard about them. Yeah, I don't, because, I don't know them. Uh, but it's some guy named Matt Besser. I don't remember that name from my time, but it's possible. Okay, so... Matt Besser, please don't take this, this yeah, don't the take wrong that personally. way. We're just gonna call him a, we're just going to call him a poser. I'm just kidding. <laughs> The truth is that I have a poor memory and couldn't remember more than 10 names of the 30 people I even picked, so. 
Uh-huh. Matt Besser, you're canceled. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matt Besser, you could, you may be a, a nice man, or you may not. Uh, this 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 show will leave that um, for everyone. Else. I've never heard of you, but I don't like you. No, I'm just. <laughs> I hear about this. Uh, the improv groups that I remember in Santa Fe were the Alliterative Puppies, which was a spinoff group of Santa Fe Improv, which was a spinoff group okay. of. One more that I can't actually remember the name of. And all three of those people were involved. All three of those groups, if I remember correctly, were involved in our uh, comedy festival because we felt it. Uh, we couldn't let any, we couldn't leave an improv group out because we had talked to some people in improv groups and knew that they have infighting and stuff like that. We wanted to be super fair. So we gave everyone time because we were trying to be cool. <laughs> um, never been a part of an improv group, but. That's all I know. I never have either. I've been, I, I've often been accused of having oh. improv troop energy. However, people, someone said that to me during the comedy festival. I was like, I am the farthest thing from a comedian. I can, I can sit, I don't even really like comedy. Like, I, I laugh. I can understand when it's funny and under people, other people like it, but it doesn't work for me for some reason. I can sit there. The only time I've ever really laughed at the comedy festival was in front of James Adomian because I feel like he was basically playing like a private show just to the 40 people sitting in the front. Um, that's all I, I was in tears. That's all I remember. But, uh, I don't know. I think, I think I could do it. I think I could do it. Um, you think you could do it? I think, yeah, I think I could. I, I think I'd have to, um, I, I think I could probably develop a type five, you know, I feel like I would like think about what was the last thing that really made me laugh, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 I think the truth is that through doing this show, either of us could do a tight five if we really just thought about all the funny things that we've said in the past six months and kind of compiled yeah. them to five minutes um, and practiced it. I know? could just I could just take my fave star bangers and turn that into a routine. If I could see your fave star bangers, that would make me very happy. I, you know, obviously, fave star doesn't exist anymore, but I would love to know like what your early successes were because mine I didn't I oh. never had any. I, I never got I was. I was just kind of saying, like, hello, what's Twitter about back then? No, I I really liked taking, um, here, I'm going to retweet one. Uh-huh. This, is like, this is from, like, 2011, okay, right? This is, like, the only time anyone cared about it. Okay. Um, there were a bunch, oh, I know, I know, here's another one. Uh, I really liked the ones that made like cute little, you, you know how like there were like in this house, we believe whatever. And then it was like the witch house and you could like change it. Yes. Like I would do a lot of that shit. I would like take one of those and turn it into something else. Like, Oh, I like this. This is good. Shout out to uh, yeah. Fetz out there. I bet you he listens every once in a while. He faves the thing every once in a while. So. Okay, I just retweeted another one. This one was really cute. It had a little a little bear talking about his Bitcoin wallet. This one dates from 2014. And I I, I think to myself, imagine if I had invested $10,000 in Bitcoin back then. I, I would have Kathy. none of that money anymore. <laughs> Kathy, it's true. You know what would have happened? Here's what would have happened. Here's what would have happened if I would have invested all my money in Bitcoin when Bitcoin was like 20 cents. I would have held on to it until yesterday and then been like, ah, <laughs> and then been oh, like, oh, no, it's only worth 10 cents I made now. a fortune. Oh, my God, I made nothing. And then I'd be, yeah. you know, dead overnight, probably just from shock alone because <laughs> um, I would have never sold at the right moment. That's what I always tell myself. 
Wow. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's like uh you know, like I feel like for a moment like once upon a time I was like, man, I would love to have an electric car. Like a, like a, like maybe those Teslas are cool. And then like going like now, of course, like I mean, I can early adopt an iPhone, I- sure. Do you know but how, like I'm like I'm not gonna early adopt a car, you know? Like that sounds and, like. And and listener out there, here's something I want to say, listener. I've been watching just earlier. I was watching this uh, Fox. No, no, no. This was on the actual MLB. Oh no, it was. It was on the Fox right before the ad before the coverage for the Field of Dreams game that I'm about to watch here at 7:15 came on. Um, there was an ad by a group called the Dawn Group. I believe that was actually in the name of the thing, which is weird. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's called the Dawn Group, and it was a man who's like, I'm an engineer. I'm a scientist. I'm a, I'm, I've worked on cars my whole life. I know about coding and computing inside of vehicles. And it was it showed that video that went viral like yesterday or the day before of like those Teslas in a parking lot hitting like you know uh, simulated children and showing like how it doesn't actually stop for them. Um, oh yeah, that's because they should use real children and not dummies. Of course, yeah, it's right. not going to exactly. work on fake children. So, so that's now like a national TV commercial. That's not just like a viral video. Like a guy is like paying money to like play this and be like, "This Teslas are bullshit." Like, and and, <laughs> and he's actually calling specifically for Congress to um, block the usage of auto driving programs in any vehicle. Because Whoa. he says that he says that auto driving is just not technically possible currently. Yeah, and I, and I would, and it's not. Even Nvidia recently came out and said that the technology that they're creating for vehicles for Teslas and all this, they, they it does simply mathematically does not have the processing power capable uh, to uh, safely automatically drive a car. It's just mm-hmm. not. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not compute computationally uh, powerful enough. So. Like, like we can't. So, like, here's how I also know that that there's no way that could work. Okay, so like, Mm -hmm. the other day I was at my local grocery store, and the the one cashier, of course, was being you know had like a super duper long line for them, and then so did all of the like auto checkout things. But of course, those are moving a little faster. So I'm like, okay, let me go to the fucking doing my own work for myself place right mm-hmm. which is upsetting to me because i really want them to pay actual humans to do this shit right because here's also why so i get up there and i'm like i, I like scan i start scanning mm-hmm. and then i get to the very end where it's like would you like to pay for all your shit and i'm like no, no. but i have to <laughs> yeah. right i don't want to pay for any of this shit <laughs> i'm glad i could read that <laughs> And I get to the, would you like to pay for all your shit part? And I go, yes, here's my shit. And it freezes right in the middle of Hmm. me hitting enter Hmm. on my pin number and shit. Seems like you should just walk out. I don't know. (laughs) I kind of wanted to, but I was like, oh no. And so like, 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 did it go through? Can I leave? Mm -hmm. The lady comes over and she's like, oh no, let me just restart the machine. And I'm like, is that going to like charge me like, all this money for Double. groceries again yeah. she was like no it shouldn't she's like you know but if it does it'll just show up on your bank account that it did and i was like well yeah i know it'll do that so you're saying like, if it charges me twice it will in fact charge me twice okay and but you'll see that it charged you twice and you'll know and it I'm like, and yeah, then the solution like, is you'll know that it was charged twice and then that's your answer i mean then you'll know no, no recourse of course you know <laughs> yeah and i was like okay thank you that's very helpful <laughs> 
like, why couldn't you have just done this for me? Like, why, why am I, why are we both suffering extra now? Like, how is anyone happier? Um, I, uh, yeah. Anyway, to, I- imagine to be a Lego lost at sea, when, uh, to be, to be that free, to, to have. I would dream, honestly, I would say that there is definitely a, a positive dream space that I've been in when I could have imagined myself in a positive way as a relief, as a piece of Lego floating amongst the sea um, for 14 years or however it took to hit the beach. Yeah. That, that would be a relief sometimes, I think. Let me read you this poem that I, I read in The New Yorker. Thank you. Um, from August 1st. It was in the middle of an article about something completely different. So I'm, I'm really confused about why. Did they, is this a thing? I don't know. As, uh, as I've been reading The New Yorker for about a yearish now. I don't know why. It's frequently. Anyway, I read it. And uh, in the middle of this article about, which I believe was, what, boats? Yachts? Something? Hold on. Let me go back to the beginning. It was about uh, Ukraine, right? Literally. It was weird. Totally different subject. This has nothing to do with it. Inside the article is, is like superposition. I'll just show you this poem. And it's called Black Fraser Crane. And I don't know why it's Excuse in the middle. Excuse me. Yeah. And I don't know why it's in the middle wow. of this article about Russia, Ukraine. Okay. So I'm going to read it just so for the record so everyone can hear how strange this is. Okay. Black Fraser Crane. As lonely in her overthinking and as forgiven, Black Fraser Crane is a woman in a multi-generational household with more than enough square feet. Black Fraser has a small staff, but she treats them like family. She has a soothing radio voice and reserved parking at both her condo and the office. Black Fraser complains about little everythings because what is more important than the fine dusting of cinnamon on the perfect ratio of foam to espresso, except the knowing that you and only you have the sense to complain. And who else could understand but a sister? Two black cranes in custom Italian suits joking about Freud. Isn't this the hardest work to be happy? When you already have everything, to have so much, you give up some, not away, but to the beast in you. And that just takes and takes until there are no more brulees and no more canapes, just the mind's endless narration. It's by Rio Cortez. And I don't know why that was placed in the middle of that article, but I just had to read it because it was such a bizarre placement. And I couldn't look away from the fact that we're in the middle. I mean, the article continues. It's about like war and that's in the middle. I, I don't know. Um, just wanted no, to I'm, uh, Yeah, I'm looking at it and. Uh... I don't know the context. I don't get it. It's just very strange. Never seen anything like it. Like an article in the middle of another article. Out of totally no connection to context at all. Um, I mean, it, it feels like it's... Um, I'm not, like, attacking the poem, necessarily. It's just the... It's a weird choice, that's all. Place mm-hmm. Also, I don't It feels really... like it's like a... It, it feels like when, like, an article didn't fit in the school newspaper and they had to just, like, move something over. Yeah, and, but also that's it's like what a, it also looks it's, like. It's a poem that seems like it's out of time, like it could fit in next month's article, you know, next week's issue. But I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because it struck me as odd. Mm-hmm. And what else do I do except bring up things that strike me as odd? Honestly, um, or oh, so many things are odd. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, here's something interesting. Here's something related to reality television that we haven't really discussed so much. Straight okay. Jillin, a Hamptons home once owned by Real Housewives of New York veteran Jill Zarin, below, 
and her late husband, Bobby, is on the market for $6.99 million. The gated 6,500-square-foot home, known as Casa Maria, is where Zarin launched their annual summer luxury luncheons, which I actually read about on uh, my other podcast. I read a little article about her final luncheons that she had at this house. It is set on two acres. Zarin now owns a waterfront condo in Sag Harbor, as we exclusively reported last summer, and held this year's luncheon at Halsey House and Garden. The home comes with six bedrooms, five and a half bathrooms, and a home gym. There's a formal dining room with a wet bar, living room, game room, and chef's kitchen with details like a water filtration system, which my house has that i don't know why that's like a big deal outside there's a large three-level deck saltwater pool clay tennis court and a three-car garage the listing broker is nancy pearson of douglas element so now that makes me think that um you know the way that that's like in the post on page six in the way that it's really it's an advertisement to other celebrities that like hey you can live in jill zarin's home that is in the hamptons Uh like i don't know i just to me thinking about all the people who read the paper including people of note is funny and that's what that article was for she said hey new york post would you like to write a little article about my home in the hamptons which is for sale uh-huh. anyway just wanted to bring it up because uh we gotta we gotta keep uh keep tabs on these reality people they're always up to something you know everything is so weird like i i feel like the um you know we were i think we were talking about the uh the the uh, Santa Fe reporter best of like our local alt weekly here in Santa Fe every year they release this like hey this is the best of this or whatever mm-hmm. you know and they they invite readers to vote and a lot of that I think seems like actually the case I'm sorry Kathy I didn't hear the last thing you said no worries uh the way that like it actually is the case for a lot of these like best up or like best restaurant oh, or yeah. like best bar or yeah. something like that right but then it starts to get into like really ridiculous shit like best dry cleaner and I'm like this is just an advertisement of their top three yes. dry cleaning yes. advertisers right Absolutely. like because this isn't like because some of them are also like best place to get a colonic, and I'm like, there's only one place in town to get a fucking colonic yeah. or something. You know? <laughs> exactly. No, well, that's the best of Santa Fe is the biggest one I remember because they would have places in there that would win, and then it's the same thing here in Cape Coral. It's the same. The breeze here runs the same thing. It's like uh, local businesses, but in my mind, if a local business is winning seven years in a row, and there's not even one year where like another business is winning something, I think we all know what's the deal. I think we all know mm-hmm. what's, what's the prescription. <laughs> that paper. It's just it's weird to think of it the same way as like the same thing happens in the Santa Fe New Mexican, right? Whereas like the business writer is like, let me profile this up and coming restaurant, and everyone is like, oh, that's because you guys are friends, right? Like, I or something. I don't know. It's just it's so weird that you just I really can't trust any objectivity in the news unless it's truly like from yeah, uh, like like an outlet you know and trust, and it's like that. How many of those are there really? That's what I was. Yep. What, what? How about this? Let me ask you a quick question before before I, I wrap up here and go watch my <laughs> baseball game. It's gonna make me cry. The baseball players are on the field playing with their fathers, playing catch on the field. Um, what is it? What are sources you trust? What are the sources I trust? Yeah. Well, for for um, kind of the context of what you're just referencing. Mm, yeah. So. Um, In terms of. I mean, so, like, let's say that I want to, like, find out what, like, a good new restaurant is. Mm -hmm. I actually just talk to my friends that I know love to go out and eat food as much as I do, right? Like, I I don't 
even look in the reporter um, I, or, or whatever magazine or whatever directory. Um, also, because it's it, there's also so much, you know, kind of experiential bias in that. Right. Like, yeah. of course, all of the restaurants downtown are good. Fuck you. Right. Um, yeah. But like no one ever mentions like the one little hole in the wall that's on the quote unquote south side of town. Right. Because it's like the food writers don't go to the south side of town. Right. They don't know yeah. that the greatest fucking Guatemalan tamales are like right around the corner because like, God forbid, they go into a place where there's a bunch of brown people. Right. Missed, like that's I'm, not going to happen. And I got to say, Kathy, uh, I missed out on a lot of what Santa Fe had to offer when I lived there just because I didn't really have too many friends to show me things. So and I know that there's a wealth of amazing stuff there that I just never even touched or looked at or even knew about. And uh, and I regret that. However, I hope to remedy that one day in the future. Um, well, I hope so, too. But I'll say it like this. Mm -hmm. It wasn't your job to go find interesting restaurants, right? Like, because if it were, right, like, I mm. feel like you'd be doing yeah. a great fucking job as opposed to, like, let me just go to the one, two places that everyone already goes to. Like, yeah. what am I going to say? Go to the compound? Go to Geronimo's? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here, right? Like, People I mean, and again, anyway. and no offense to, like, the big standbys, right? The Pantry, the Plaza Cafe, yeah. Tomasita's, yeah. like, mm -hmm. they're all great. They're all bangers, but like, what if I want something different, you know? Anyway, so I yeah. think about that a lot just because everyone is filtering our reality for us, right? And, and we have in some way no choice, right? Like whether it's fucking Pitchfork Music telling me I... whether or not the new album by so-and-so is good or not, right? Someone's curating my reality for me. How, do you know how many years Pitchfork curated what I thought was good in music and what wasn't? And it wasn't until about last year that I started going back and listening to things that they, you know, at the time gave like sevens or sixes to. And I was like, oh my mm -hmm. God, I can't believe like I listened to these people for so long. Why did I believe that guy? Do you know how, right? many, yeah, you know how exactly. many reviews of albums like since in the years past like where they gave this like you know calvin harris's like third album they gave like you know five stars or something like that. i went back and listened to that just because he came out the new album recently and it's fine it's great in fact i don't <laughs> like what people are talking about so um i don't know yeah they also like gave they were the my polyphonic for... spree a 10 or whatever <laughs> they were my know? bible like... for music for six seven years i want to say i don't know but i allowed my i put myself in that position so Trust those well, because the alternative, right, was also you having to go and actually spend shitloads of hours in like a record at store the record or? store yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and who has that time, right? So, like, th yeah. this is the give and take, right? Yeah. It's it's why I rely on the Santa Fe New Mexican to tell me there's a new restaurant. You know, I just wish I didn't have to sometimes or whatever. I'm gonna open up the show with MIA's Paper Planes. Um, because she's been in my mind lately. Uh, what would you like to close the show with, Kathy? Um, you know what? Mm -hmm. Hopefully they don't sue us. But, mm -hmm. you know, I woke up this morning singing I'm So Tired by the Beatles. Okay. I'll do it. I'm going to do it. Hey, technically I found out that if we don't charge for our podcast directly, we're allowed to use any music we want. Like, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, we don't. Yeah, no. Just that they... Yeah, listen to us. Tell hey. everyone to listen to us for free. Yay. Okay. <laughs> free speech deserves to be free because democracy dies in darkness. Democracy does die in darkness, says the Washington Post. Uh, well, they used to say that before they were bought by Jeff Bezos, maybe. I don't know. Well, you know, and it's all behind a paywall now, so. <laughs> it's the only paper I don't get. Do you know why? I just told you. <laughs> 
Hey, everyone. So that was uh, Reality Issues Season 2, Episode 9, Episode 19, actually, technically. And uh, this was Kathy, and I'm Brian, and I'm going to go watch a baseball God bless game. you. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you, Kathy. God bless you. I'm, and, and I'm, I'm going to go pack for the women's convention. Please, and tell me all about it. And I, I just I can't wait to hear all the wonderful things that come out of there. I really am looking forward to seeing what you talk about. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And if any of, if any of our listeners are in Houston... Please deliver me special packages that I will not be able to take with me on the plane. I'm not going to ask any questions right now that would confirm or deny your knowledge of whether things are allowed or not in that state, because that would be potentially telling. Well, well, as as Donald Trump says, under under the advisement of my attorney, I do plead the Fifth Amendment. And in fact... The first thing he said before that was, I now know why. So, there you go. Well, I mean, why would I, why would I plead the fifth if I didn't have anything to hide? I mean, you know, that's just logic right there. I just don't like talking. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, I, I love my right to remain silent. It's the best one. It's better to have the right to remain silent and to speak and to or be thought a fool or something. Says the people voluntarily speaking to a microphone for fun for the friends. You can't think me a fool twice. Exactly, and you can't think us a fool if you're choosing to listen to this and you already know who we are online. Can't fool me again. We're having fun. Okay, love you, bye. Everything I've got for a little peace of mind. I'll give you everything I've got for a little peace of mind.